HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Tabard Inn, new American cuisine in one of Washington, D.C.'s oldest hotels, located in DuPont Circle. For more information, visit tabardinn.com. I'm one of HRN's interns, Nina Medvinskaya, with a preview of the next episode of Meat and Three, our weekly food news roundup. This week's topic, the marriage of food and danger. Sometimes, danger lurks in the food that we eat. So instead of saying what is poisonous, I'd rather say what's not, because it's literally just the flesh and the fins. Food poisoning doesn't just threaten our bodies, but it endangers our environment as well. The emissions of JBS, combined with the other top five meat companies, exceed the annual emissions of Exxon, Shell, or BP. For more, tune into this week's Meat and 3 on Heritage Radio Network. Available wherever you listen to podcasts. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The devil them rhythm and blues that sound. It's gonna get you some in the air. Welcome back to the Speakeasy. I'm Damon Bolte. My name is Souther Teague. Souther, what's up, man? Not too much, buddy. How have you been? I've been really good. How's really, that, really good. How's that chill vibes California life? Dude, it's so chill. <laughs> it's casual, man. It's California. Uh, but, you know, like bouncing back and forth. I spend most of my time, I've calculated it now, uh, I think I spend more time in airplanes, in, in cars, than I do at... In either one home. of your residences. Yeah. Planes, trains, That's fine. And yeah, planes, yeah. trains, and automobiles. And motorcycles. <laughs> and tents. <laughs> A lot of time in tents, man. Really? In Have intensity. you been camping? A lot of camping out there, man. But yeah, it's uh, it's great, man. Super, super cool. It's like, I don't know, like I'm figuring it out, man. What about you? You moved I, to a new spot, huh? I did. I moved. I got voted off the island. I'm no longer in Manhattan. I'm now um, in Greenpoint, which is. Uh, we got you. We got you. Brooklyn got you, motherfucker. Back, yeah, I'm back <laughs> in Brooklyn, um, and I'm pretty stoked about it. My apartment is three times the square footage and $200 less a month and I have a balcony with enough room for like a table and four chairs. So your balcony is probably as big as your previous apartment? Oh, close. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, So it feels like living high on the hog and, you know, I bought that little electric scooter that's adorable and goofy. And you have a helmet. And I have a helmet. I stole from Rosser. Yeah. Thanks, Rosser. Thanks, thanks, Rosser. I don't think he knows you. (laughs) Um, and I can get door to door over the Williamsburg Bridge on my electric scooter in 20 minutes. It's great. It's amazing. So I'm stoked. 
And if it rains, you can fold it up and put it in a car. Weighs 20 pounds, folds flat, boom, out. Dang. Highly I wish I could do that with my Harleys. <laughs> I, you know, as, it's really, as, you as, know a, as a former Harley rider. <laughs> yeah, you know how what it's like getting pelted in the face with rain? When you're yeah, going like, like 80 just, miles an hour. It's like getting shot with rock salt. Yeah. <laughs> um, Why don't you uh, introduce our guest, man? Sure, absolutely. So first of all, let's point out today we're recording again from uh, Blue Quarter in, uh, in my bar in the East Village. Uh, so the sound may be a little bit different, but uh, you know the content is still just as good. Um, so here at Blue Quarter, we've got uh, Jeff Bell and A.K. Hatta from PDT, my neighbors, basically, here in the city. Yeah. Welcome to the studio, guys. Hey. Thanks for having us. The, yep. the makeshift studio. <laughs> I like this, actually. I mean, like, this is whenever we have guests on the show, we say that it's like we're sitting at the bar. Well, it's off it. hours. It is. And we just happen to have microphones in front of us. That's exactly what we're doing right now. Yeah, maybe we should make this the format. I, I was going <laughs> to say, man, we should talk to Heritage Radio and move some, uh, some equipment into Blue Quarter. Well, we could. Uh, this equipment is fine. We just need uh, just more. Just mics. Yeah. yeah. Mics would be great. We need the, you know, the MIDI sampler, exactly. like with all the crazy. So we can do the applause. The, yeah. <laughs> um, so. I like how you went straight to applause. I was yeah. going to go for like the. <laughs> The blowout whistle, yeah, like yeah, the, the, the the mind blown, <laughs> the kaboom. <laughs> um, so you guys have been my neighbors here for a long time. How long have you been at PDT? Uh, it will be five years, January first. Holy guacamole! Well, you know, it's everybody says that, but it, <laughs> I don't really remember life before PDT. So somehow it feels shorter and longer than I don't remember ago. life before you <laughs> Aww, nah, see we need that awesome so we'll make our own sound effects <laughs> um, and you started on New Year's Day yeah what I am um, what an odd day to begin well I I basically put in my notice at my previous job on um, December 14th and then uh, took Christmas New Year's off and then said well I'm free start of the year and then Jim said great January 1st it is, so... Well, at least yeah. you're not open for brunch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That would be yeah. brutal. Who wants to get up and go to their first day of work on January 1st? Did you say so that meant you had a calm New Year's that, that year? I mean, PDT's never... You know, calm is subjective. I mean, you, personally, did you go out that New Year's and then have to go to your brand new job on January 1? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was, I was younger and spryer, so it was fine. It's like studying for the drug test. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> get the, into it. the bounce back is, is a little better when you're 23, <laughs> 24. Mm-hmm. How old was I? Yeah. 24. Yeah. All right. That, yeah. that changes the game, actually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of remember those days. No problems. I don't. It's a long time ago. Uh, it's a long time ago, and I don't remember them for other reasons, too. Um, <laughs> and then, of course, Jeff Bell's in the room, too. Jeff, uh, many, many times has been uh, described as Disney Prince Pretty. Prettiest man in the industry. Uh, very, very kind. <laughs> um, partner at PDT Hong Kong. Correct. Where you were, AK, you were there for the opening. Uh, I, I was there story. for the opening. We'll yeah. get to that. Yeah. That's a good story. And it is a good story. You've got Legacy Records here in the city as well, uh, which is not a record store. It's not a location of a former recording studio. Yeah, yeah. A little bit of a legal battle between uh, the previous owner and the naming, but it's all settled. Oh, really? It's fine now. We just can't record live studio albums there, and then everything's fine. Could we go do this there? I, I would I'd probably consult a legal counsel. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't want to get too much too close into that, but I think it's I got a guy for you. Probably be fine. Yeah. And and then now you've also just launched um, a new 
uh, brandy, an American-made brandy, right? Yes, sir. Called Bertou. That's right. But the real question is, what's next? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a lot of stuff to do all at the same time, man. Uh, yeah, and also make a family. You've yeah, got a baby. Yeah, yeah, she's she's a... Uh, Toddling now, yeah, I guess. she's almost three. She turns three this month, so she's... Oh, wow. uh, she's more human. She has a... She has her own opinions on everything, and they're very, very firm, uh, <laughs> unfounded, strong opinions on things, you know? It's kind of... You know, I think that the, having a child, being a bartender for so long really prepared me for being a father because you spend so much of your working life dealing with, like, irrational people that have been <laughs> drinking too much that they're, like, randomly crying or soiling themselves or laughing, <laughs> like, for no apparent reason. So when you deal with these, because once you feel the so drunk, the up. more drunk you get, the closer you become to being a baby. So you deal with those people for years, and then you, when you have a baby, you're like, oh, I, I remember this. That's, uh, <laughs> that's the best way I've ever heard that. Like, that's incredible. <laughs> So, wait, okay. <laughs> so, w- w- what came first? Like, chicken and egg? Like, were you working on this product? Like, the, the brandy? Like, while you were opening Hong Kong? And, like, Legacy well, Records? How, like, back a little bit. how old is like, Hong Kong at this point? Hong Kong is just, it's like te- eight, nine months old? Eight months old? Not even quite a year. Yeah, yeah. a year in January. Okay. Of January. So, you guys do everything in January? Is that just how you do it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah. a start of the year. We just, 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 yeah. New Year's resolution. <laughs> Let's do something new. No, no, the last two years, so 2016 to, to 18, they were kind of extremely busy for me, but completely, uh, not cloak and dagger, but definitely under the radar. Like, I'm not one to uh, put a lot of attention on things I'm working on until they've come to fruition. So I've been working on this, the brandy for two years, Legacy Records for over two years, and PDT Hong Kong since we did the pop-up there in 2006, January 2016. So 16 to 18 was like, the most masochistic period of my working life with zero financial return because it was all planning. Sure. I, uh, yeah. yeah. I know so, what that, that's like. I feel it's the world I'm in right now. Yeah. So, I mean, finally turned the corner and things are, you know, uh, exist now. So, you know, the, the Hong Kong's open and running and we've gone through all of our little, uh, you know, growing pains in the beginning, opening a bar, uh, you know, 10,000 miles away in a different country. Um, you know, getting the legacy records uh, up off the ground and then getting the, the brand launch so how much of your time do you have to spend in Hong Kong uh, the first year I was there well, the, I went before the opening and two weeks to the opening four times the first year and then after that it's twice a year so Jim and me and will also be out there <coughs> twice a year so him and I have to split up quarterly visits um, you know if something came up one of us could do four and uh, one of us could do zero if that it, it, it just, they just need one of us there four times for seven days at a time. And then we have Adam Schmidt and Malika Suarez that worked at PDT in New York for almost five years, four to five years each, that relocated. So Malika's our bar manager yep. and Adam's our head bartender. So if we didn't have those... So it's those, really got a lot of visceral connections to the original yeah, space. I mean, if we didn't have those guys there, we would we would have to be out there like monthly or one of us would have to relocate and be more like, not by coastal, by... Uh, yeah. By hemispherical. Yeah. <laughs> and let's talk about this interesting story of how you helped aka you helped open up the new PET Adam got over there and was ready to get it going did he even get to yeah. open yeah we opened yeah so Jim was there for all the pre-opening and then I got there the day we opened so we were both there for the first we, Jim was there for two weeks and then we overlapped for five days and then I was there for two weeks um, 
So we were both there, like, right at the opening. And then we were understaffed at the time. Trying, It was very difficult to get staff in Hong Kong and just the process of... There's this... I can't remember the date. It's right after the Chinese New Year. It's called, like, their Black Friday. And it's when there's this really strong bonus structure that they have in that country where they basically withhold a third of your salary or they, they structure it in a way that you get the bulk, uh, a major percentage of your salary once you finish your year. So it's called the bonus, but I feel like it's a way of just like reworking somebody's salary so that you can dangle a carrot in front of them so they stay with you a full year. Got but it. what happens though is people get that check and say whatever a third of your income is, you get a check that's equal to a third of your income on one year. day. You, it's party once time. you get that paper, you put in your notice. So we opened like three weeks before that. So trying to get somebody to leave their job uh, three or four weeks before they're about yeah, to get a big check, yeah, thirty-three percent bonus. They're like, uh, it sounds great, but I, I have to pay bills, and Hong Kong is one of the most expensive, if not the most expensive, cities in the world to live. What would so yeah? What drove your? I do want to get back to this story yeah, of you yeah, getting yeah. over there, but what drove what drove you and and the team to decide to open in such an expensive city? It was something like, that was brought to Cleveland. Uh, yeah, it's tough. I mean, I think that it, it all depends on, on how, you know, it's weird how things evolve and businesses open up. But it's it's not like we were just looking around like we're going to open a PT here, here, here. It was kind of like waiting. We did some pop-ups and it was fun. And it wasn't to like, it was to promote our brand. It wasn't to like find a suitor that we should open a location. But Definitely with something in the back of our mind thinking, oh, if we do this thing in Melbourne, maybe you know somebody might be like, let's do this in Melbourne or let's do this in Hong Kong. And that's what happened in Hong Kong is the Mandarin Oriental is like, this pop-up was so good. Uh, we doubled our beverage revenue, food and beverage revenue for, the, you know, for that month and we want you back full time. So because we got invited, we're like, okay, let's do this and then we can partner with uh, a very strong hotel brand that has like great PR and is already fully operating and you know absorbed into the Hong Kong city culture and everything. So it's a lot easier to do that than if, say, some wealthy person is like, oh, I have this space, why don't you move in? And then it's like doing it all on our own. You need to have like a partner on the ground, and that's what was brought to us, so that's what made it happen. Yeah, but also in Hong Kong, a lot of people describe it as like the, like the New York City of like the East. Yeah, yeah. it's, yeah, it's like, kind of like New York, London, and... And Shanghai had a baby or something like yeah. that. Because sure. it definitely so, I mean, has like the density of New York, but it was settled by the Scots in like the mid eighteen hundreds. So there's like in central Hong Kong, it's like it's very European. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, the English is the, is the. And there are other like language. New York establishments that have popped up over there too, like Carbone. There's mm-hmm. one there. Like is EO, there EO yeah. is there? I mean, it just makes sense. I mean, like as far as like transferability from like a New York establishment to another city, it's like Hong Kong is kind of like the like. Anything. Pretty much yeah. like the easiest, like, or I wouldn't say easy because it's never easy to like open a bar or restaurant, but it makes the most sense, like, popping over. The culture over is to very, I mean, when I was there, it's they love kind of anything like Western and luxury, and, and we're at a time right now where cocktails are definitely considered Western and luxury, yeah, you know? sure. So, so they think that they're more open to, uh, you know, as opposed to maybe somewhere in, in Japan, they want. You know Japanese style right, cocktails. Right, sure. You know, so other places in Asia, but there's a there's a lot of um, like people travel to Hong Kong for business. So it's not uh, it's kind of a conglomerative culture. I mean, I yeah. guess in the same way that like Jeff said, Shanghai, London, New York. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know those places. We got everybody passing through every day. Mm-hmm. 
So you weren't there for the opening. No. But then you were suddenly there. Then I was suddenly there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. when you wake up in the morning. Yeah. Um, basically, uh, Jeff, as he said, had been there for, for two weeks. And I, I'm pretty sure it was like the, the day before you were supposed to come back to New York. Uh, Adam, who is uh, six foot four, he's about... It's about your size, Damon. Uh, was uh, walking across the street and slipped and broke his ankle. Uh, yeah, very, Adam. Yeah. Adam Schmidt, longtime PDT guy. Longtime PDT guy, head bartender, broke his ankle very, very, very badly. And at that time, uh, yeah, because I, I don't think we, we didn't have any other bartenders hired. So oh. basically Jeff and or Jim and Adam were running the bar every day. Wow. So he was out, uh, which would have meant that if we couldn't get a replacement or if Jeff couldn't stay or if I couldn't go out there, the bar would have had to close two weeks after opening because they're... That's, yeah. we, had, we had one bartender that was on a kind of a standby because of that, yeah. that transition period that I was mentioning earlier. Chanel uh, Adams, who uh, was actually an expat American living in Hong Kong, and she was going to come on board, but she wasn't meant to come on board until after I had left. But Adam slipped on... A grease slick on Wellington Street broke his ankle in three places, and <laughs> I'm supposed. To, my bag is packed. I'm like ready to leave, like Hong Kong, and come back to New York and miss my family. It's been crazy, and I'm just like, I get, I see, <laughs> I wake up in the middle of the night and just have, you know, when you have, do something really good or something really bad, and your phone's and there's lots of texts. Yeah. It's like, why do I have four missed calls from Jim Mee and, and Richard Echovis right now? And Adam, and then I open up a text thread, and it's like Adam and Malika, and it's like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, are you okay? And I'm like, and there's a picture of Adam in an air cast in like a Hong Kong ambulance. I'm like, try, and this is like, you know, you wake up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom or something, and trying to process all this, it's like, oh no. Yeah. So it was basically, um, I was working at, at PDT New York, uh, it was like around midnight, and I get a call from Jeff, which I guess kind of similar thing. I don't really get calls from Jeff unless it's... Well, not, not at midnight, not, not when she's bartending. Yeah, like, not, not in the middle a, of service, same, you know? Like, I do the same thing with my mom. Anytime my mom calls me rather than texts me, I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah. Like, yeah. Someone in the family's died. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know? exactly. we all, so, I think we all have that, but yeah. this yeah. was a real-life thing. Yeah. So it happened. So, uh, you know, I say, okay, I need, I need a second. Jeff is calling me. Go outside. And, you know, Jeff is always kind of cool as a cucumber, but I could tell he was stressed and he was like... So, um, uh, do you have plans for the next three weeks? <laughs> was I think like the the opening statement, like you know, no, I don't know, Valentine's Day. <laughs> and uh, uh, so basically, there was a flight at noon the following morning uh, for Hong Kong, and he kind of explained the whole story. So I shut the bar at PDT, got home around four, packed my bags, and then went to the airport, and then wow. I went to Hong Kong. Um, and got off the plane and had to just jump right into it. Yeah, more or less. I landed, I took off noon on Monday and I landed at like 7 on Tuesday with the time difference. Sure. And then uh, went, checked in the hotel, went down to the bar because I'd never seen the space. I'd never been to Asia before. Um, Lucky you had a passport ready to go. Yeah, yeah. Um, I used to work on cruise ships, which is okay, another right story. <laughs> <laughs> I've had that one for a minute. But um, yeah, I just uh, saw service. Um, met the team, tried the drinks, got the drinks menu, and then um, was up at 9 a.m. the next morning to kind of figure it out. Um, yeah, and we like, had breakfast we the had, next morning with the next, I ended up leaving the next morning because I pushed my flight back a day. Mm-hmm. 
So, I'm sure it's pretty cheap to get like a last minute flight to Hong Kong from New York. It actually wasn't too bad. We got her like a last minute Cathay Pacific direct flight. And I don't remember what the cost was, but it wasn't it wasn't exorbitant. Um, it was yeah. So I called her at midnight, her time, which it's a 12 hour time difference between New York and Hong Kong. And I because I waited to call her until I had a meeting with the you know hotel manager and the director of food and beverage because we're like, well, what do we do? I mean, there's one. The, First thing I ever thought was like, can you stay two more weeks? I'm like, <laughs> I got the, as we mentioned before, I have all these other things I'm, I have going on at the time. I was like, and Legacy was about to do Friends and Family and Open, and I'm like, I have to be back for that. Um, I'm like, what are some options? I'm like, could you guys fly AK out and put it up in the hotel for a few weeks? And ultimately, that was the first idea of me staying there and and being feasible. And I talked to the you know the manager's assistant she booked the, you know to see if there was a flight available called AK had her scan a passport to me and then booked it so I mean it all was like you know from 45 minutes after the meeting wrapped we had plans AK was booked on a flight coming out and then we were able to overlap in Hong Kong for like 12 hours do a, a good meeting in the morning and then I flew out the next day Wow. Show must go on, man. Yeah, yeah. that's some. That's exactly what yeah, that is. It's, the it's show a, must go on. It's incredibly stressful too because you're, no, you're showing that up. That didn't sound stressful. You're showing up in a new city <laughs> and you want to establish your bar to the community, and you can't. You, you definitely don't want to show weakness when you show when you show up. I mean, in general, you don't want to show weakness, but you don't want to show weakness when you're showing up in a new city. And you're especially like, like a highly touted bar like PDT, like you know, like. Especially with like the book behind every bar that you like walk into. Sure. I've walked into like a ton of dive bars, and the PDT book is on the back bar, you know. Yeah. But like, especially like making that like kind of like connection between New York City and Hong Kong. It's like anything that happens in New York, like any opening. There's so many fucking eyes on you, man. You can't yeah. like. You're right. You can't show weakness. You can't. You can't let it fail. You got to come out of the gates just like kicking you know yeah, we're and, super mum, it was super mum about you know being public about Adam breaking his ankle because he didn't want we don't want to draw any negative attention to sure. the, you know you don't want you don't really want sympathy or anything at that yeah. point you just want to like people to come to your bar so you yeah, can, yeah, yeah, you, know, exactly. you just signed a six year deal with the hotel and you're mm-hmm. like we better be good so yeah, yeah we've luckily you know thank, thank goodness for AK and I think I'm so thankful for AK and I think that she does so much for the bar and, and, and assisting me with things too the same way that you know, I helped Jim with a lot of stuff for the first, you know, first five years I was at the bar. So it's been a, a really nice uh, package, the, the three of us, over the last, well, I mean, I've been there almost nine years, so. Yeah. Um, so who's going to break their ankle so I can go to Hong Kong? <laughs> <laughs> I want to go to China. Yeah. Um, let's take two seconds to break away and hear from our sponsors. We're going to come right back and talk about Bertu Brandy with uh, Jeff Bell and A.K. Hanna from PDT here in New York City and Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. The following program has been brought to you by Tabard Inn. Tabard Inn, Washington, D.C.'s quintessential small hotel, is located on a quiet, tree-lined street just five blocks from the White House. Vibrant yet unassuming, the Tabard is comprised of 40 sleeping rooms, each unique in character and design. Feast on eclectic American cuisine in their acclaimed restaurant or enjoy a cocktail and listen to live jazz in one of their cozy Victorian seating areas. Mingle with travelers from around the world who find the Tabard the only place to stay when taking their travels to Washington. For more information, visit tabardin.com. And we're back. You're listening to The Speakeasy on Heritage Radio Network. And today in the studio, we've been talking about PDT with A.K. Hada and Jeff Bell. And... 
the trials and tribulations of opening a bar in Hong Kong is so gotten, far away. Yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of stressed out just like hearing about it. We might need to have a drink, and it's a good thing that Jeff brought some brandy. I think we with should, him. but I think it's also you know <laughs> you're you're trying to get a space and get open on the west coast. Yeah, and you have a space here on the east coast. It's tough, and that's that's tough, and that's just a five to seven hour flight. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about doing business with Stefan Waz in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. That's a seven hour drive, mm-hmm. or it's, it's supposedly an hour flight, but you got to be at the airport early and security. Don't so right. three, three hours. Five, yeah. Yeah. You got to get TSC pre-check, man. Yeah. Let's I did it. It's changed everything. Everything. Yeah, if you fly in the middle of the day, you're going to sit in traffic on either side. So yeah, it's, it's exactly. not. It's not it's true. Yeah. Yeah. That, even that short thing, and that's stressful because, like, one of the major things that made me not want to move out of the Lower East Side, where I was a ten-minute walk from all three of my bars, uh, was was that that was great for me. And, and now I feel like, oh my god, I moved away. Luckily, I got this stupid little scooter, and I'm twenty minutes away. But still, that's twice as far away as I used to be. It used to be mm-hmm. 10 minutes to any one of the bars. Bang, I'm there. So but I'm going isn't wrong. there, like, okay, so we have to figure out what the, the math is on this, but what is the, the optimal amount of space between work and home? I, you know what, man? I'm, I'm the guy who would, who would, if I could, I'd live in the building. You'd live in the building? Absolutely. I almost took the apartment above Grand Army. But I was like, I, I almost took the apartment above Prime Meats at one point, oh, wow. too. But... John, Bar- John Barleycorn's apartment? John Barleycorn's. We don't talk about it. <laughs> we, uh, that was fun. I guess we can talk about it now. The Prime Meats is yeah. closing, but yeah. We used to have a speakeasy up there. Super illegal speakeasy, which he worked at. I did. Um, yeah, but uh, I like. There was a, there's a book called The Great Good Place, and it mm-hmm. talks about like third spaces like yep. between work and home. And then really talking about bars yep. a lot, most of it. Mm-hmm. And it could be like the gym or whatever, but like, I don't know, there's always, there needs to be like some separation between like work and home. But mm-hmm. then it's trying to figure, I guess it's obviously it's case by case, it's different for everyone. But I, yeah, I mean like for me doing like coast to coast is like one thing, but like New York to Hong Kong, that's a, it's literally the other side of the planet. I mean, and it's a commitment, right? When you say I'm gonna go, like you said it took a day and a half to get there. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, you got to plan that in advance. Plus, you got to plan getting back. Like that's you don't mm-hmm. go just pop over for the weekend. No. Yeah, it takes the weekend to get there and back. Mm-hmm. Anyway, let's talk about your juice. <laughs> it's sitting here, and we're getting thirstier and thirstier. It's like Pavlovian. We're just you've got Katie Stipe working for you on the West that's Coast. Right. Yeah, she's a really great day. friend of mine, and also she worked at Primeys too, and she yeah. worked at Grand Army. She's been a great friend of mine for a long time. Yeah, Katie's amazing. So she relocated to Portland uh, about a year, a couple years ago. Thank you. A little over a year, maybe something, something like, yeah. like that. It all it all blurs into you know into into one but yeah Katie's amazing so she's going to be running the, the west coast for us which is just California right now um, but it's really important to, to, to get her on uh, on board just because well one she's amazing uh, and two she's been a bartender for a long time and she's got a you know she's got a ton of knowledge she's um, has a great reputation and then now she lives on the west coast so she's much she can service the California area much easier than uh, than I could, uh, but I'm not working in that capacity with the brand. I, I came on as a, uh, my title with the company is Consulting Master Blender. So along with Thomas Pasuzic from the uh, uh, the Nomad Hotel, he's the wine director for the New York, Vegas, and, and uh, Los Angeles, we created a blend with some uh, stores of brandy that were aged from 06 to, to 13. So we basically acquired all of this aged inventory and created a a blend out of it to, with 
with the with the you know the pin down the line of like this needs to be a cocktail brandy. So we're going to create a premium California brandy that is designed to be used in cocktails because brandy being the kind of one of the main original cocktail bases really kind of went to the wayside and then took the low road for a long time in this country being something that American brandies phylloxera yeah. didn't, yeah. didn't yeah. help but then that when the resurgence of American brandy was really just a, a value category with some of your like $8 bottles like E&J and stuff right. like that sure. you know like the, Christian Brothers the, the where BS means very smooth you know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, little squat bottles that kind of resemble like cognacs and stuff so that's kind of was the identity of American brandy for a long time and it still kind of is but it's uh, it's this is a long play for us, and it's something that it's a it's a risk because it the cat the premium California brandy category doesn't really exist. But that's what's kind of appealing about this is there's a big white space in this category, which in, does, it doesn't really seem like there should be. With it seems shocking, yeah, given mm-hmm. that California is so well known for, for growing grapes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you would think there'd be some some nice. Yeah, it would, it would follow that we would be famous for making something other than whiskey in this country because I mean, brandy is the first. Spirit that this country really ever made. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was a, something brandy else. Brandy and had, rum. Yeah, yeah, it was a regionality thing with you know, fruit brandies in the east and grape brandies in the west. So mm-hmm. uh, that's kind of the, the you know the brief story behind it. But we do this is a blend of French Colombard grapes, three to seven years uh, of age, uh, aged mainly in French oak and finished in American oak. So the the aging regimen we have is it's it's more a little bit more than two-thirds of its time is spent in new toasted French oak and it's essentially finished with American oak that's also new and toasted the idea behind that is that too much American oak really tamped down on like the beautiful aromatics so you know when you have like yeah like an amazing eau de vie and you're just like oh, the, the floral component you can get from like a, a really good fruit distillate I f- we found that the American oak really just like smothered that mm. so we did we spent more time uh, putting this in French oak to like really prop up the fruit and the floral and then, uh, uh, and then using the American is almost like a finish for like spice and a little bit more body. What are, are have you always been a fan of brandy? What made you say to, my, to yourself, I think I need to be involved in a brandy? When I when the opportunity was brought up to me at first, you know, the question was, you know, Jeff, what do you think about American brandy? And my response was, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, it's not something that's really on my mind. It's like a category that exists. I mean, Dan Farber is probably the best. You know, without you know causing a debate, but I think Dan Farber is one of the smartest and, and best American brandy distillers in the country. But he Osakalis doesn't really have the scalability to do anything really like impactful to consumers or anything like that. He just can't doesn't have the production uh, capabilities to do much more. I think he does two thousand bottles a year or something like that. So oh wow, yeah, yeah, it's super lot, but it's super super delicious. Yeah. Um, there's a few producers in, in California, and then there's you know Copper and Kings uh, in Kentucky. That's really they're doing a really good job of going after like their region. I think a lot of the micro distilleries that are popping up around the country are doing a great job servicing their their local or their region of the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I, they asked me if I wanted to be involved or help, and I was like, well, we got to taste it because I'm in this position where you're going to ask me to help create a blend. So obviously, you're investing a lot of money into this project. And then I'm like the connection to the industry. So like if I fail, it was really nerve wracking because if I fail this project, that means that these people put all this money into this project are going to be upset with me. And if I make a bad blend, then I'm going to present this to the trade and they're going to be like, this guy's a joke. So I was like, definitely something that I was excited about for the last two years, but also very nervous because your your reputation is a little bit, is on the line. But when you're doing something new, 
in that's what, I mean, I think that's what it always takes. You have to be a little bit nervous. If you're not nervous, you're 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 arrogant and cocky, and then that's yeah. when you start making mistakes. It's like riding without a helmet, exactly. Basically, yeah. <laughs> which I only do in states that allow it. <laughs> that's not the right answer. Sorry, <laughs> but you know, to me, I've always I've always loved brandy cocktails. I love brandy. Yeah, but, yeah. But we've talked about this a lot. I love I love yeah. brandy and, and mm-hmm. fruit it's, as well. It's always been tough though, like throwing a just because of like the way that uh, like Americans perceive whiskey. It's or sorry, uh, brandy. Uh, it's been based on what you were talking about, like the Eden Jade and Christian Brothers and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's actually to me a lot of the uh, hey, um, we're getting studio bombed. Oh, um, no. To me, it's always like, it's like a super like noble spirit, right? Mm-hmm. And it's one of the original cocktail spirits. It makes sense to me, especially the tie-in with PDT, because one of my favorite cocktails of all time is called Montgomery Smith, and it was invented by Nate Dumas when he was at PDT. It's in the book. I think it's on page 186 or something like that. <laughs> but, wow, way to memorize the book. I don't know. <laughs> Thank you, buddy. How are you? Um, grab, a, grab a glass and have some brandy. Um, but yeah, it's it's a great drink. It's it's cognac with Fernet Rock and Benedictine. So it's all my favorite things thrown in a glass together sure. with mm-hmm. a limit twist. And so like I, I remember like going back to like like back in the day going to like PDT and Death and Company and reading the menus and seeing cocktails like stirred brandy cocktails and I was like Fuck yeah man, that I I'm really into yep, that, you know. Up. But mm-hmm. it was hard, like, especially like ten years ago. I guess we're talking, like, to get people, your like average consumer, to mm-hmm. uh, drink a brandy-based cocktail. Yeah. But I think with like things like the crusta and like, they're, they're it's ten years later. Having great cocktails made at great bars, it's definitely ushered back into the you know back on the field. We have we have yeah. brandy. Yeah, the sidecar is one I think that's going to be sidecar, pretty yeah. useful for us to get this, you know, it mm-hmm. more understood well because you know essentially being a, a margarita but with lemon instead of lime and brandy yeah. instead of tequila, it's something that's would be relatively easy to make for a lot of at home enthusiasts because mm-hmm. they'd already have the other products to make this. And one thing about the brandy too is that we, we the price point it was very uh, uh, firm on the pricing that. It had to land on, and it it's priced at a dollar an ounce. So, twenty five fifty a bottle if you buy a twelve pack in New York, and twenty five fifty a bottle if you buy eighteen in California. The tax is a little bit different, but something that is I feel like with something this age, the magic number is like a dollar an ounce for an American bartender. Um, granted, you can get a lot of white spirits much lower than that. A lot of uh, let's not talk about how it's made rum uh, for <laughs> for you know a third of that price, but. To get a premium product at that price point is kind of like the sweet spot, mm-hmm. um, and it's hard to say. It's hard to say that there's a, a cost barrier to putting this on a cocktail menu. Right. Yeah. You mentioned New York, California. Are you are you are you already coast to coast? Where are you? We're we're in New York, well, New York City, Los Angeles, and San Francisco. We're the three cities we're really focusing our energy on right now. We have a few different routes 
it's almost like a political polling. You know, it's like, uh, what's our, what's, we have a few avenues. Are we going to go through the Midwest? Are we going to go uh, up to Pacific to Seattle and Portland? Me being from Seattle originally, it might be kind of nice to do Washington. And we might, you know, get some fun press out of being like the, the local kid comes back with his own product or something. Hometown hero. Yeah, there's, diff- there's a few different things. I, you know, it, when people come up with spirits, they're like, it's going to be New York, California, Texas, Illinois, Florida. You're like, well, yeah, those are the most populous and, and you know, densely you know, uh, populated cities are in those states. But you have to think of, like, the brandy tradition. There's, like, the brandy belt in the Midwest where it's, like... Man, you can Wis- cut into that brandy old-fashioned business. Yeah. 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 Minnesota, Wisconsin, Michigan, Iowa, and Illinois, like, that, there's, like, a pocket of the, the U.S. Knocking, where it's, like, very... knocking Corbell off the shelf. Very popular. <laughs> <laughs> That's where you need to go. You, you get Robert O. Simonson on your team here. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's <laughs> a big advocate of the brandy old-fashioned. He's got a ball. I asked him to give me a old-fashioned recipe. I was like, well, you know, you have a book called The Old Fashioned. You're from Wisconsin. You have your old-fashioned kit. Now, here's a bottle of American brandy. Can you make an old-fashioned with it? He's like, well, I'm going to put some Sprite on it and muddle a sugar. I'm like, that's fine. I want you to make it Wisconsin. He's like, I want that's you to Wisconsin style. make yeah. it Wisconsin. Yeah. I don't want you to, like, fluff it up. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I figured he'd jump on that opportunity, actually. It seems like it's tailor-made for his... Have you seen his little kit that he does for Cocktail Kingdom now? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Two old-fashioned glasses. A uh, little muddler. Like stick in the spoon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Adorable. Mm-hmm. Uh, only one of its kind on, on the market. Great for um, Christmas. It's, yeah, it's our holiday guide. Didn't, didn't he yeah. bring us the old speakers? Yeah. I think he uh, brought us a, a kit for like the last time he was on the show, didn't he? I, or at I, least like the little muddler, maybe. I think the muddler is on the bar yeah. at the at the studio. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're right. Uh, but I he only I, gave I, you the muddler. Didn't give you the whole. I kit? I don't think the kit was ready back then. Oh, okay. It was a while ago, but he was talking about it. Um, so this is pretty exciting. How is it that they approached you? Like, what were you, were you just hanging out? And they were like, hey, Jeff Bell seems like the right guy for this. You know, it's, it's funny because it just came up in a, in a conversation. There was a, a few people within the industry had referred my name to, to my partner in this, Jeff Benashi. Uh, you know, Richard Betts is one of them, a friend, a friend of mine. Because Jeff Benashi was looking for somebody in the bar industry because he thinks that there's a lot of... Um, he's a wine and spirits entrepreneur. He's done a lot of uh, investing in, in startup brands and... And helping them kind of grow and he was looking for somebody that was immersed in the, in the cocktail scene to help him create a product so thinking that there's a lot of uh, value in being getting a building a brand in the cocktail community because that's like the first part you know you build a brand on premise, build a brandy. Build a brandy brand. on premise, and, and the and top cocktail bars, and then that's you know you spend a you know a few years pounding away at the cocktail bars, and then you you pivot to off premise. I mean, off premise is where you do your volume, but course, yeah. you can't sell off premise until you've established your brand because people go to a liquor store, like go to Astor Wines and Spirits, and they probably have five million dollars worth of inventory, you know, on their shelves, and it's like so. At least. at least, at least, yeah, yeah, yeah at least. That's just I have like no spirits. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I have no idea. So you know, somebody walks into a liquor store, even a regular liquor store on a corner. It's like think of how many bottles you see on the shelves. Like no one's gonna just if you don't spend time uh, investing in people to help you grow this brand, like uh, you know, getting bartenders to get behind it. Mm-hmm. Then no, no one's gonna ever see it. They're not gonna see people pouring it. And they're gonna walk into a liquor store. And they're just gonna walk right by it. Yeah, yeah. But mm-hmm. they have to be like they'll have to have like those touch points, those moments where they've seen the bottle around, or they've heard people talk about it, or. Or they've seen it at like all the right bars, like if you go to EO or if you go to, you know, Death and Company or whatever, you know. Grand Army. Grand Army. Grand Army. Grand Army. <laughs> <laughs> or two is it Grand Army? Yeah. 
It's so, nice that at PDT too, just the nature of the space, we can have that conversation with people. Of course, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, that's, I, yeah. that's where we are in the, in the sort of craft cocktail world. Yeah. We're on the ground, we're intimate with everyone, we can talk to everybody about every ingredient. Like, what's that? Yeah. Well, let me tell you. I'm yeah. assuming this is featured on the menu currently. It is. AK <laughs> came up with a, with a drink with Bertou. So I did. What's it's in called, it? It's called the Golden Club. Uh, so it has Bertou uh, with um, the Cap Course. It's a Kina Kina from Corsica. Um, a salted caramel syrup, lemon juice, and just a little bit of rice flour plum brandy. That sounds so PDT. <laughs> so, <laughs> but it does. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, no, it's, it's, it's it, there's like a there's a weird formula for a PDT cocktail to exist. There has to be something like new and unique about it. So like Bertu's a new product, and so is the Cap Course uh, Kinkina. Well, it's not new, but it's new to us in, in the U.S. Or in New York, House Apple just brought it in within the last six months, I think. Mm-hmm. But we use the Blanc in this one, and then there's something that's like super delicious, like the. There's always like a the culinary r- element to it, yeah, like the, popcorn yeah. infused or like ham infused. You yeah, got salted caramel, yeah. and then well, you right? use, then you take like something super premium, like Hans Rice at Bowers Eau de Vies are like crazy expensive. Mm-hmm. But if you use a quarter ounce, which we do, it goes with this, a long way. It goes mm-hmm. a long way. It's like using tomato paste in sauce. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. it just really it bolsters it. So, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. You and add this, that plum yeah. eau de vie in there to, you know, make the kind of stone fruit notes of the brandy pop. Mm-hmm. So, and I feel like this this brandy in particular is just it does it's so floral and fruity, um, without being it's not as sweet as like Spanish brandy. It's really it's gorgeous. But it does have a nice latent sort of oxidized raisin yeah. quality. Yeah. Yeah, which I feel is like the Spanish there's, signature. There's a component of the blend that's, um, we say three to seven, but the seven component is uh, seven, eight, and nine-year-old brandies that are uh, blended and aged together. So they, they obviously lose their older age statement, go down to seven. So that's part of our, our blending batch that we add. To, and that really gives that Roncio kind of mm-hmm. effect in the length. Mm-hmm. Um, where, where is the facility? It's, uh, it's about 45 minutes from Fresno. The heartland of California. Where they make the chilies. Is this, mm-hmm. is this uh, like the, the restaurant chain? <laughs> There's this, definitely uh, a chilies in Fresno. Yes. <laughs> There's definitely yeah. an Applebee's in Fresno. Yeah. I stay at the Double Tree in Fresno. Oh, yeah. Fresno's, <laughs> the got, Fresno's got it going on. Oh, yeah. The, the, okay, the cookies. That's what I think yeah. about. Yeah. Um, the place with the cookies. <laughs> is it romanticized at all? Is there like, you, are you offering tours, you know, that kind of thing? Or is it just like, it's a facility, it's a big white box full of rods and lights and barrels? Yeah, I mean, we're sourcing the liquid. It's not like a, right. this amazing, beautiful, like it's, you know, it, it's not like the perfect thing to look at, but we're building out our, we're going to reorganize it so our aging system is much more uh, cosmetic, you know, appealing to people. Sure. Yeah, it, I, it does a trick, but we want people to see it. At some point, but... You, you want do. people to see it, but at the same time, like, I don't know, I'm just, like, I come from, like, an industrial, like, background, and, like, I love going... I like to see how the sausage is made, you know? Like, yeah. you go to the Michter's Distillery, the one that exists now, before they do, like, they're opening up their new facility in, like, in Louisville, but, like, if you go to yeah, that one, yeah, it's... Yeah. It's it's a factory, yeah. you know, basically. I mean, it's it's a very nice, polished-looking one, but, like, they don't give tours there. Yeah, we make this mm-hmm. thing. That's what we, we make do. the thing, you know? Like... How it's made. I, I would love yeah. to go to like an automobile assembly plant, you know, because be like, oh my god, they're yeah. they're stitching the upholstery right now. Yeah, yeah. They're putting in the headliner, yeah. you know, like, but like, I, I, especially like starting out, I think it's really important to like focus on this, the product, rather than like yeah, making a flashy like. That's what it is too, because I think a lot of people. There's so many people starting distilleries and, and, and brands, and they and they invest so much money into the 
facility. You're like, well, if it's an aged product, you're looking at like three, three plus years until you can start getting right. any sort of return back. So it's just you have to be uh, smart with the way you spend your money because <laughs> there's not many places you're like, I'm going to build this amazing bar and then I'm going to open it in three years. Yeah. But it's just going to be there. Yeah. It's going to be hanging I'm out. I'm going to pay tax on it. I'm going to have pay inventory rent. sitting there. It's going to have inventory. Labor. Three years. So in three years, I've already lost. You know, yeah. that's kind of the, you have to figure out how to do it. And if you can find a partner that can make a product and you can source it, and then you can build a nice brand around it. We don't have like this crazy long brand story like Bertu is not the name of like the twelfth generation distiller or anything. It's like it's just <laughs> it's it's named after Jean Bertu, who's the French inventor of the sidecar, which was originally an apparatus designed for a bicycle. It was adapted to a motorcycle, and then was the namesake famous brandy cocktail so it's named after an That's innovator a charming story yeah it's yeah. good but there's not like anything you had me at motorcycle yeah <laughs> you know but there's nothing like you know sometimes you hear a brand story and you're like that's just you're like really bullshit like that's yeah. not that's not like just be honest about it it's you know, not like, really what happened man yeah, yeah. like the whiskey company with the uh, this was Al Capone's recipe or, yeah, you know, yeah. like, oh, you're a liar no because actually you get it from MGP why don't you just tell people you get it from MGP because MGP is a great distillery yeah I mean, isn't that what, like, uh, was it the mic drop? Yeah. Nicholas Blotzi's whiskey. Yes. It's just like everything is listed right on the yeah. front. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. You know, I, I yeah. love that. It's yeah. it's kind of punk rock, you know? Yeah. It's like, here's the deal. Fuck this. Well, here's the thing. That's very much like you said. That's Here's how the sausage is made. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, you know, a lot of folks are disappointed when they find out how the sausage is made. And it makes them not want to eat the sausage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They all still yeah. eat hot dogs. <laughs> and I don't talk to those people. Yes. Um, yeah. So speaking yeah. of hot dogs, yeah, let's go back. Some hot dogs. I know. Why didn't we bring hot dogs? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's rare that people bring us food on the show. It's happened. It has happened, actually. Yeah, when uh, Tanya and Jackson were yeah, on, they us tartare. They made Jackson made the EO tartare so, on the show. Yeah, that was awesome. The studio smelled so good. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> and we were drinking so, Highland Park. <laughs> let's get back to hot dogs and PDT and AK. Um, Wait, I, I got a, a quick yeah, one. So. Are you guys still doing like the guest chef like oh, hot yeah. dogs? Oh yeah, we have a new one. What, what Ex- is it exactly? Um, well, so and uh, we have a Jeremiah and Fabian of Contra while they're oh, cool. the oh, pizza cool. Napolitana, uh-huh. and it is delicious. Yeah. Uh, we are extremely happy to have them on the menu. I actually I can't remember where I met them. I'm pretty sure I met them before I started working at PDT, but I'm not sure. But they've you know they've always been. Uh, big fans they, they come by after events and after shifts and I think when we try to think of who, who we want on the menu it's not just great chefs but also people that we're friends with sure yeah family, um, yeah, family. Um, they, they come to actually they actually come, our, come our to the bar yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, you know they're young and new and, and really doing amazing things so yeah. uh, they have a grilled New Yorker with uh, pickled pineapple and induja butter arugula Red onion and oh chives. Oh my god, it sounds so good. Yes, it's so really good. good. The the yeah. analogy I have for the hot dogs used to be make used to be a, a statement that was less um, polarizing because of what happened recently in politics. But it's like the Supreme Court. You're the, you're once you're on the list, you're on the list until you want to pull your you know until yeah. you take yourself off. Whether you know you just want to stop running your own hot dog because what we work out a deal with the chefs where we they give us the topping, so it's not a great deal for them. Like. We supply the, the dog and the bun, and they supply us with the other toppings that go on there. So the reason the Contra Dog is on is because we just took off the Pock Pock Dog, 
not because we wanted to. It was a best-selling drink, but or best-selling drink, best-selling hot dog, but Pock Pock and uh, Brooklyn just closed. So, right, so they can't so, supply the time. Yeah, so where are we going to get? <laughs> where are we going to get the ingredients for that? So that's, uh, but like right now we have the Chang dog. The stupak dog and then the concha dog. So those you don't have the Dufresne dog anymore. Wiley no, dog. And like once that's once the one w, we get asked about. Yeah. Once W fifty like why the why the dog was on for a long time and it was fried mayonnaise, tomato relish, uh, the, dried onions and, and shredded lettuce and it was fucking delicious. And then W fifty closed and it was like I think I had one a day for like my, the last week it was on the menu. Yeah. So there was an article. I, I think they still do this. It's New York Magazine, not the New Yorker, but New York Magazine, and they. I remember reading it. It was like, like shortly after I moved here, like twelve years ago, and there was, it was during the holidays, and it was basically like, they'd asked all these like just kind of like random people around New York City, like what, like the, their one wish was, and one person was like, man, I really just want to have like my own sandwich on the board at at Katz's Deli. Yeah. And they did it because they, <laughs> they basically it was like a make a wish kind of situation like, yeah. for like the holidays and so like he had his uh, sandwich on the board for like a week Amazing. and it was like it was kind of like everything it was like corned beef hash and like all this, like just pretty much everything my version of that is hot dogs are like my favorite food <laughs> if I could ever like this is like my like my if I could get a hot dog on the menu at PDT I would just die I mean, that's how I knew of John Aragon for the first time. You, do you want the speakeasy dog? Speakeasy dog. <laughs> Let's start. We got to start the wheels turning now. Um, and I, I'll, I would gladly supply the, all the garnish and like preparation. I'm right stuff. around the corner. We'll, yeah. We can make it. Let's make it like a week-long promotion, though, so it's not something you're just... Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying. I don't think when you lock Just at some point in life, my yeah. life, it doesn't have to be on the menu forever. I'm just saying yeah. at some point. The speakeasy dog. The, the Damon dog? Damon Dow. Damon Dog. How many nights a week are you at PPT? Um, I'm scheduled for four nights a week. On the bar. On you're the there bar. more than that, obviously. Yeah. Um, so the way the kind of structure of uh, the PDT staff is, is most people start as a host and a bar back. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm one of, I think there's actually, now there's a couple people but um, who can work every position. So because of that, we're a small crew. We have like 10 people on staff. Yep. Uh, you know, I'm I'm kind of the the go-to girl for whatever needs being done or who's ever shift needs being covered or, you know, I'm I'm there. So, yeah, I would say. Chances four, are four-ish, we'll see you there. <laughs> She's the real reason PDT is still busy every night. Yeah. <laughs> what was what all that means? And with uh, everything else you've got going, you're just down to one night, right? Yeah, if that, yeah. So not Typically not Wednesday, right? Yeah, yeah, it was Wednesdays, and well, it was. My shift, my schedule for a long time was was, uh, was Monday, Tuesday, thir- no, Monday, Tuesday, Friday, Saturday. It was that was that was me for a long time, and then it whittled down. And then as more things pile up in the daytime, it just becomes impossible to do yeah, a bar sure. shift at night because you're like that's twelve hours where I can't do any sort of administrative mm-hmm. work, which Correct. is not something I really want to do. But if you don't, it do has it, to be done. Yeah. 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 So mm-hmm. if we, I mean, we have Victor, Luis, AK. I mean, two of our bartenders have been. Employed by the business for over ten years. Yeah, that's so amazing like, retention rate. When we have like this amazing staff, everybody that's behind the bar has been there at least two years now. So it's not like there's any sort of we don't have any staffing issues right now. We don't have anybody that's like calling out, or we don't have any flakes on staff. So 
because we have such a strong staff, I don't have to be behind the bar nearly as much. As yeah, that's where I'm at now yeah, too with Grand Army. It's, yeah. a, it's a really good feeling, yeah. but then yeah. you kind of then at that point when you free up a little bit, you're like, oh my god, there's a billion other things I have to do. <laughs> yeah, it's never over. You never clock out, right? Yeah. No. Yeah. So it's um, I'm usually there Friday through Monday, but it's cool. a good it's a good crew. Um, the last couple hires that we had, which was a couple years ago now. Um, we're from the CIA, and I think the most recent, or graduates of the CIA, I should say. The Culinary um, Institute. Not the, Cul- yeah. not the, <laughs> not the not, Intelligence not Agency. Not ex-spies, but <laughs> the Culinary uh, they Institute. They are from Langley. Yeah. But it's been really nice the last, uh, I think, the last year. There, Everybody kind of leaves their own input on the bar, and uh, they've have, we now have this network of kind of young chefs, and uh, a lot of the best restaurants, you know, that are frequenting the bar more often, which has been really awesome to see, you yeah, know. Cool. Uh, yeah, especially if you're a 22-year-old line cook, you know, at Frenchette, if you're spending your one night off at, you know, drinking cocktails and kind of learning about spirits, that's that's incredible, right? Right, yeah. You yeah, know, so it's... Full-on commitment, yeah. man. Dedication like to the... Dedication. Yeah. 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 Well, man. this is awesome. I'm so glad that we got you to in just any room actually because <laughs> you're so busy all the time yeah. and uh yeah. you've been on our list for a while so happy to have you sit down with us and chat yeah. this is great thanks um, for bringing some brandy yeah absolutely it's awesome do you have uh any social media you want to plug how can people get in touch with you if they need to what do you want to say uh the only social media platform i really use is is instagram and it's jeffrey m bell we have a pdt nyc instagram but they never posted a single thing to it. <laughs> yeah we just it's kind of like the idea of having social media for pdts it seems a little bit Ca- counter to what yeah. yeah, our website has very little information. So if we had a, a big Instagram account that showed all facets of our business, it would be kind of uh, yeah. weird. People um, would like terrorize the phone booth. Yeah, well, like, vandalize. That's at some point in the future we decide that there's like this. You know, I either want to have a hundred thousand followers for PDT on Instagram, or I want to have zero. Sure. You know, like I want it to be. By right. that I mean I want it to be amazing if we do it. I don't want it to be like blurry, out of focus iPhone 3 photos. Mm-hmm. Got it. Yeah. Okay, you got any social you want to Yeah. Or not. You don't have to. Yeah, no. Uh, I'm pretty much also only on Instagram, though less frequently than Jeff. Uh, but I'm A-K-H-A-D-A. It's my last name. 07. A-K-H-A-D-A. 07. Hada. Hada. Sorry. Well, this has been awesome. So yeah. happy to have you guys That's on. That's fun. Um, that's it for this week's episode of yeah. the Speakeasy. I just want to say thanks again. I mean, like, thank you. It's, it's great to, to have you. It's great to have everyone in the room together. This yeah. is really cool. Nice. I either get one or the other, and I don't get either yeah, of you You're very right. often. Uh, but it's nice to be three blocks from the bar, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So it makes it a little bit easier for us to all for get sure. Together. So, no, thanks. Thanks so much for having us. It's been a show I've been wanted to be a part of for a long time, and I know we we've, we've, we've spoken about, about it. it. We've spoken yeah. about it, and it's just. We're fans. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Before we break away, though, is there any... How do I get in touch with Bertu? Bertu, so it's Bertu is if you're a bartender or, uh, you know, a wholesale buyer, you can. it's on, available through Park Street in New York and uh, uh, California. And then it's available in a handful of liquor stores throughout the city. Verve Wine is a good one because they ship to 46 states. Cool. So if you're not listening from New York or California, you want to get a bottle... Vervewine.com, a great liquor store founded by Dustin Wilson, who's the former wine director of the Lab Madison Park and the creator of the Somme films. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. So, well, Birth, that's the best place to find it. For two, I'll take for three. Hey, uh, <laughs> <laughs> zing. Uh, well, I'll post up uh, information about this on Speakeasy Podcast uh, um, Instagram as well. Um, so you can get some more information there and cool. figure out how to get in touch Thank with, you so much. Thank with you. this team and this product yeah, thank and you. get it on your bar. Yeah, so I guess that's it for the Speakeasy this week. Uh, thanks again for coming on the show. Go check out PDT in Hong Kong and also in New York. <laughs> <laughs> check out Brew 2. It's a great brandy. We've been sipping on it throughout the show. And love you guys. This has been awesome. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, go to org to check out many other programs like this one and some of our back catalog shows click on the beating heart to donate to the station so we can keep on pumping these out for you and until next week cheers everybody cheers want more of the speakeasy follow us and ask questions on instagram at speakeasy podcast or on twitter at speakeasy radio you can find damon at damon bolte and you can find me at creative drunk on all platforms take a moment to write us a review on apple podcasts or your favorite platform and give us a star rating five if possible if you're visiting New York City or a resident, stop by the studio and hang out with us during an episode. Reach out beforehand to make sure we'll be here. We'd love to see you. And please support our show by visiting heritageradionetwork.org and clicking on the beating heart to donate. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.